So I know the cool kids always bring up a phone or a laptop or something, but the old kids bring up hard copies, so that will help me. Um, Mike Platt drove him, felt stomach pain last night, and he drove himself. What, what? Oh, lights? Okay, lights. <laughs> that helps. That helps. Um, anyway, Mike Platt had a stomach plane last night, and in typical Mike Platt fashion, he drove himself to the hospital, um, and he had appendicitis, and so they took it out. And he is um, recovering. So the larger Platt condition, uh, contingent is not here, which I think is a really pretty um, extreme avoidance uh, <laughs> tactic. We've been friends for a long time, and he probably heard I was preaching. And um, But don't worry, I, I will have a little sermon of my own for him. So... <laughs> Um, we live in a time right now when many people are anxious and without peace. And um, the songs we sang this morning were perfect. And if you don't know that he's for you, but you were um, reticent to come forward, he's still for you, whether you came forward or not. And you are still prayed for, and you can still find someone within the body here to pray for you. Um, Jesus in John 14.30 says, there's only a little time left for me to talk to you. And he's telling his disciples some comforting and he's telling them some important things. And what he's telling them, he is telling us now. Jesus is near he was near then with them, and he is near right now with us. He is near to us even more so because we have the promise that he was telling them about, and that promise is the Holy Spirit, and we have received that. He is near. Jesus is near, even when he feels far away. He's offering us access to an enduring, overcoming deep peace that transcends this world. Eugene Peterson did a translation of um, the whole Bible, and it is a translation um, that he did, not a paraphrase. He was worried that his congregation weren't relating to Scripture, and so he wanted to put it in the common vernacular, and that's what he did. And the message translation of John 14 25 through 27 reads this way. I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. Well and whole. That's what shalom is. That's what that kind of peace is. It's a wholeness. It's not just a momentary peace. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you, peace. I don't leave you the way you are used to being left, abandoned or bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. This is what Jesus was telling his disciples. 
The First Nations version of the New Testament, which is an indigenous translation from several tribes, reads like this, and I really like it a lot. I leave you with my great peace. It is my gift to you. It is not the kind of peace that the world gives. Do not let your hearts fall to the ground. And do not let fear hold you back. This is Jesus' personal grant of peace to us, a peace that passes understanding, a peace that we can have in the midst of a fractured, dislocated, out of sync, broken yet still beautiful, fallen world. Jesus' gift of deep, deep peace is the good news. Most of us know the bad news in this world and in the lives of those we love and in our own hearts. Life in America makes anxiety a virtual epidemic, and we are addicted to fear in this country, and it has a lot to do with our behaviors and, um, and the violence that we find. Much has been exposed in the last decade in our nation and in the church at large. I've always been a curious person, interested in many things, which makes me sort of a master of none. But around 2015, I'm going to move this because I know myself, and I'm going to fall backwards right over it. And that will be something to talk about, but not what I want you to talk about. Um, so let's just take that out of the mix. Um, but in 2015, I had my eyes opened wide. 2015. I haven't been around that long. Um, and I was alarmed, not just politically, which was alarming enough and has only become more unhinged as time has gone on. But I found the condition of the church at large and the behavior of my brothers and sisters in Christ, people who I knew and loved, and how we were representing Jesus so poorly because of fear, because of rage, because of idolatry. I found it especially grievous, and you see that in the news media, and you saw it on social media, and you still do. Everything has become so charged right now, and civility is just tattered. We don't know how to be polite to each other. We don't know how to have disagreements. We don't, we don't, we're not doing well. We're not. And I found myself confronting and shedding ideas, my ideas I had, that um, I had believed and thought I was doing well and, and pleasing the Lord. And I believed through a superficial and literal understanding of scripture, of history, and a naive understanding of the government. I didn't understand race. I didn't understand, I understood some things, but I didn't have a complete and current understanding of the condition that we were in. And it's been painful to have my desire for certainty turned upside down. Certainty is a myth, and actually certainty is probably a sin. And I had had it all turned upside down. It's been embarrassing. It's been sad because I've been rejected by friends and family who see, me, see things differently, see things perhaps the way that I had seen them, which is no kudos to me. I'm still learning. Um, but the main thing, people who are willing, unwilling to 
agree to disagree. And still, I am grateful that my world was opened up. I'm really grateful, and that Jesus' love is bigger and wider and deeper and more mysteriously beautiful than I knew it before. I don't regret trying to challenge people. I don't regret trying to speak the truth in love. I do regret the things I've gotten wrong in the past and yesterday. Um, We won't get it all right. Embrace yourself. 2024 is coming right after this year. Um, And yet here we are in this place. We are here together in this place at New Creation Church, brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't have limitless strength, but we have the great privilege to love each other and to pray and to worship together. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 reminds us that we are servants of God's mysteries. And, moreover, it is required of servants to be trustworthy. We get tangled up. We get stuck in a place of defeated living and isolation. And social media plays into this as well as other media because it's profitable to keep audiences and users exercised and clicking away money. It's profitable. News cycles prey on our fears. We're flooded with so much information that we can't process it. I find that if I'm online, I read differently. I I feel pressure that the next thing is happening and I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it, you know, the next article that I want to read, the next, and, and, and so I skim and I don't read carefully and I don't think well about things. I don't think as thoroughly as I do when I'm, I'm reading hard copies. <laughs> um, we do have a philosophical need for peace, but we also have real physical pressing needs. People have pressing needs for food, for jobs, for shelter. And cultivating anxiety that those needs are not going to be met and the need is only going to get worse is sadly the best in, in the best interest of the news machine. My mother watched the news all the time. She did it more so. I don't remember it when I was growing up as much, but as she got older and she wasn't as busy and, and things like that, it was on all the time. And I think this is maybe happens a lot with older people. Um, so this news was going all of, all of the time. And um, then she would also watch, I don't know, these real-life tr- crime dramas and, um, and just all these different stories. And in order to keep her grandchildren alert and safe to all the dangers that there were, she would tell some of these stories to the grandchildren which, of course, made them anxious, but she was protecting them with good information, right? Well, my daughter, my youngest uh, daughter's cousin, well, she's all my kids' cousins, but they're eight months apart, <laughs> and they, and they um, played together. Tesha was visiting, and Megan, my daughter, um, was playing with her, and they were out on the road. If you've been to my house, you know the dirt road there. They were riding their bicycles, and uh, Megan just called out, car, which meant a car is coming, moved to the side of the road, but Tesha heard, she didn't hear car, she heard car, 
And so she jumped off her bike, threw it in the road, and dashed off into the woods. And, and Megan was pretty astounded and wasn't sure what was happening, you know. But uh, Mom's stories had caused Tesha to see danger where there wasn't any. Later we explained that probably if you are afraid that someone's chasing you, running into the woods isn't the best plan. Um, but uh, she was triggered. And I think we all understand and have felt the bad news. But for disciples of Christ, there's so much good news. Jesus has left us with his peace. He said, I leave you with my peace, his own peace. A peace that is unique, a peace that is deep, a peace that is healing. He told us in Matthew 6 not to worry because the Father knows our needs, and we're instructed to seek first God's kingdom. Verse 34 tells us not to worry about tomorrow because every day has its own troubles, and I think we know that. Every day has its own troubles. How do we overcome? Paul exhorts us in Philippians 4 to rejoice in the Lord always, to let our gentleness be known to all. This is one of the things that has grieved me, that we are not being gentle in our disagreements. Let our gentleness be known to all. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is the kind of peace that Jesus gives, the kind of peace that guards our hearts and minds. So... What did Jesus' peace look like? St. Um, Ignatius taught a way of praying, and which put us in different scenes in the Bible. So I want you to just use your imagination and think about what did Jesus' peace look like? I want you to pray imaginatively. But think about you in these different scenes. Choose one of them. There are many, many, many. I'm just going to describe a few. Maybe this is a scene with a woman at the well. And Jesus is explaining to you all that you've ever done. And many of those things are not right, right? Or have been done to you wrongly. And yet you're telling him things because... His peace is present. His love is evident. Or maybe you're the demoniac. And Jesus has cast out a legion worth of demons into a herd of pigs who have fallen over the cliff. And you're free, but when you go back to tell others, maybe you're one of the others, one of the people in the town who say, No, Jesus, go away. We don't want you here. It's too scary. I'd rather have a demoniac up in the hills cutting himself that chains can't hold than someone like you who has that kind of power around. Maybe that's where you are. Or maybe you're the woman caught in adultery. Or maybe you're one of the Pharisees with a stone in your hand, anger and rage in your heart. I don't know where her husband was or her, or her her lover was, evidently not around either of those men. But maybe you're there and Jesus' peace 
There's all this emotion around. There's all this anger. There's all this rage. There are stones in hands, and he just writes something in the sand. That's the kind of peace he has, and this is the kind of peace he gives to us, a deep, abiding peace separate from the circumstances that you're in, that we're in. Maybe you're just someone on the outskirts watching, watching what's going to happen. Maybe you think she deserves it. Maybe you think she doesn't. Maybe um, you want to pick up your own stone. Maybe you're in the crowd that Jesus is passing through when the people wanted, when the Pharisees wanted to throw him off the cliff. And he just, his peace just takes him through the crowd. Or with Pilate. Or when the Pharisees are asking questions and we're always told that they're asking to try to trip him up. Maybe you're one of the disciples in the boat and a storm is raging, and you're shouting to your other disciples because if you've been on open water with a storm, it's noisy, and you're going to have to shout. And yet Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. I mean, this wasn't like a yacht with a place that was insulated and he couldn't hear what was going on. You know, he's just laying on the bench in the back, right? This is what Jesus' peace looks like in situation after situation. It's an abiding, a solid, a tangible peace, and that's the peace he gives to us. We've got to find new ways to speak peace. We've got to reclaim words that have been weaponized, and we have to beat those words into plowshares. We have to find words that comfort others and ourselves in the midst of distress. We've got to have fruitful words. We've got to have words that bring comfort and courage in sorrow and that will ignite love in the face of looming threat. We're called to one body. We're called to cultivate thankfulness. Colossians 3.15 says that the peace of Christ... Not any peace, but the peace of Christ. Keep you in tune with each other. I love that. Like we're a symphony, like we're an orchestra. We're keeping one another in tune. And we're called to one body. And we are to cultivate thankfulness. Gratitude is a concrete way forward. Sometimes we have hope. And sometimes we must hope for hope when hope feels thin. Because sometimes hope feels very thin. Sorian Kierkegaard, the philosopher, prayed this. And I think a lot of us, those of us who tend to turn inward, could pray this prayer as well. Teach me, O God, not to torture myself, not to make a martyr out of myself through stifling reflection, but rather teach me to breathe deeply in faith. Stifling reflection. I'm prone to that. I, I'm, I'll leave here and I'll question every word I said. Um, <clears throat> it robs us of perspective, doesn't it? Gratitude in the path upon which Jesus' love illuminates our way is what Tennyson encourages us to. He says, speak to him for he hears. And spirit with spirit 
can meet. Closer is he than breathing, and nearer than hands and feet. Both men use the the idea of breathing, breathing into peace. Shalom, peace, is a well-being that exists in the midst of threats. It's a well-being of a very personal kind. It's security that's granted to a community. We are bound to God and to each other in love, caring, sharing, and in rejoicing. We have a different vision than the world. We have to remember that because it's really the world's vision of things is very loud. It's very loud, but we have a different vision, and if we don't remind ourselves of this, if we don't realize that we have Jesus' own peace, we'll get tangled up. Real love is very specific. That means in the ordinary moments of your ordinary days, you're doing things that are loving specifically to the people that are around you, to the people that you encounter. We feel this as image bearers of Christ. We feel it in our body and in our heart and our mind and soul. Now, I want us to take a moment to respond. Psalm 46.10 calls us to be still, let go, to relax, and know, know by experience that he is God So may we take a few moments here in this place together. May we attune ourselves to one another as a kind of symphony of love and hope and peace. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to connect with your body. Put your hand on your heart. I'm watching you. (laughs) Now I want you to take a nice deep breath, and I want you to think of a time... When Jesus felt near, maybe this is one of those times, I want you to think of the peace, Jesus' own peace that he has given. Sometimes that peace comes through others who have loved and cared for us. Think of those people who have given you love and support without judgment, who stood by you, even when it was hard. Think of those who have celebrated your joys, who delighted in your happiness. Breathe. Think of those who have wept with you, who've sat quietly with you and said nothing. Feel gratitude. The Lord is near. Think of times when you when you have given and done those things for others, think of the times that a simple, ordinary kindness lifted your head. Breathe and look for beauty. God is always in beauty. Thank you, Jesus. Open your eyes. And my last thing I want to say to you is that Jesus loves you. This I know. When you are weak, he's strong. This next week, try to pay attention with gratitude to the small moments, the ordinary moments, to feel Jesus near. Bear witness. 
bear witness to beauty, slow down. Because Jesus loves you, and you have your peace, his peace, which is now your peace. Jesus loves you. And the Bible tells me so. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much for a time to recognize your peace in our lives. Help us to recognize it moment by moment in the daily, ordinary times of our lives. Pray for Mike. Give him peace and, and comfort as he's recovering. And for others who aren't here, whose babies are sick or whatever is happening that prevented them from being with us today, make us mindful of one another slow down we love you Lord thank you for loving us and thank you for leaving us with your deep peace Jesus name Amen